Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters in Christ. Peace be to you. Do you know what are some of the famous monuments in the Philippines or in Manila? Can you think of some? Well, maybe Rizal Park, right, in Luneta. Also, the Bonifacio Monument in Caloocan. Now, when you see this monument, what is the first thing that comes into your mind? Maybe some say the Luneta, the Rizal Park. I see the Porto Bomber. Or in Monumento, there is lots of traffic. Actually, we should see the symbol behind these monuments. That is, Philippines' struggle for independence and a symbol for uh, freedom and justice. Well, in the Old Testament, there are lots of monuments or memorial stones recorded. And today, we are going to look at one of them, and that is Ebenezer. Ebenezer means, till now, the Lord has helped us. Actually, it's the name of a memorial. It is also a name of a place. Well, let's look at today's passage in 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 1 to 12. Chapter 7, verse 1 to 12. And a man of Kiret Jerim came and took up the ark of the Lord and brought it to the house of Aminadab on the hill. And they consecrated his son, Eleazar, to have charge of the ark of the Lord. And from that day that the ark was lodged at Kiriath Jerim, a long time passed, some twenty years. And all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. And Samuel said to all the house of Israel, If you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, then put away the foreign gods and the Astaroth from among you, and direct your heart to the Lord and serve him only, and he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. So the people of Israel put away the Baals and the Astaroth, and they serve the Lord only. Then Samuel said, Gather all Israel at Mizpah, and I will pray for the Lord for you. So they gathered at Mishpah and drew water and poured it out before the Lord and fasted on that day and said there, We have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the people of Israel at Mizpah. Now when the Philistines heard that the people of Israel had gathered at Mishpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the people of Israel heard of it, they were afraid of the Philistines. And the people of Israel said to Samuel, Do not cease to cry out to the Lord our God for us, that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. So Samuel took a nursing lamb and offered it as a burnt hope offering to the Lord. And Samuel cried out to the, to the Lord of Israel, and the Lord answered him. As Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to attack Israel. But the Lord thundered with a mighty sound that day against the Philistines and threw them into confusion. And they were defeated before Israel. And the men of Israel 
went out from Mishpah and pursued the Philistine and struck them as far as below Beth Car. And the Lord and then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mishpah and Shen and called its name Ebenezer. For he said, Till now the Lord has helped us. Yes, till now the Lord has helped us. Please take note of the important praise, till now. Until now, it includes the past years that the Lord has helped, whether it's smooth sailing or in troubled waters, in abundance or in want, in health or sickness, in joy or sorrow, in strength or weakness. No matter what the, what the circumstances is, the Lord never leaves his people and he helps us. Now the praise till now also refer to the present and even extend up to the future. We know we will encounter difficult circumstances, challenges, and trials in life. Yet Jehovah still helps us. This actually is a declaration of faith. So the monument Ebenezer reminds us of how God has helped his people throughout history. It also assures us that God will still help us now and in the future. To help us appreciate more the memorial Ebenezer, we need to understand the other Ebenezer that is in chapter 4. It is a place. It is a battlefield. Well, in 1 Samuel chapter 4, verse 1 to 2, it says, The word of Samuel came to all Israel. Now Israel went out to battle against Philistines. They encamped at Ebenezer. And the Philistines encamped at Apek. The Philistines drew up in line against Israel. And when the battle spread, Israel was defeated before the Philistines, who killed about 4,000 men on the field of battle. Well, in this battle, the Philistines won and killed about 4,000 of the Israeli army. And when the people went back to the camp, they said, Why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? And they, they thought of a way that they can defeat the enemy. If only they brought the ark of the covenant of the Lord to the battlefield, to the, to the, to the war, then they surely would win. Because the Lord of hosts will be with them. And at that time, the two sons of Eli were priests. So they brought the ark of the Lord from Shiloh to the camp. And all Israel was very happy and they gave a mighty shout. And they thought, we would surely win this battle. So they brought the ark of the covenant to the battlefield. And the result? Well, they were defeated and it was even worse than the first time. Because 30,000 
foot soldiers of Israel fell that day. Not only that, Eli's two sons, the priests, they were also killed. And the ark of the covenant of the Lord was captured by the enemy, by the Philistines. Israel was defeated miserably in the battle of Ebenezer. But when we reach the chapter in chapter 7, verse 12, the monument in Ebenezer, it was the victory of the Israelites. Though in both of these instances, enemies were the Philistines. The two battles, the two battles were 20 years apart, and the result were vastly different. So, what is the significance of this Ebenezer monument? How do we go from being defeated, being defeated at the battlefield in Ebenezer to being victorious at the monument in Ebenezer? I like to suggest two things. First, we need to recognize our own shortcomings. When the people turn away from God and don't rely on God, but only on themselves, they will fail. Okay. When people turn away from God and don't rely on God, but only on themselves, they will fail. Well, because the people pretend religiously and deceive God. Or during the time of the judges, Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. They did not turn on the Lord and serve Him wholeheartedly. Well, actually, they worship the Lord, but they also worship the Baal and the Astaroth. This means that they did not completely abandon the Lord. They serve God. At the same time, they serve other gods as well. During the first time that they lost the battle to the Philistines, they thought that if the Lord was only with them, they could win. They thought that if they have the ark and also the priest in their side, then God will protect them. You see, they have this kind of a superstitious idea. And they use the ark as a charm, parang anting-anting, uh, to protect them and to keep them safe. Well, actually, some Christians are like that. And they will say, oh, it's good to have a Bible. And what do, what do they do with the Bible? They put it under the pillow at night to make them sleep well. And it will protect them from nightmares also. Actually, this is not how we should use the Bible. The Bible is to be read, to be meditated, and live out according to God's instruction. Some people wanted to be sure in their spiritual walk, so they worship God. But the thing that, para sigurado, I need to worship other gods also. This way, more bases will be covered. And sometimes they even thought that, well, God would not mind at all. But mind you, God's requirement is that we worship and serve Him exclusively.
exclusively. There can be no other gods in our life. Because Jehovah God is a jealous God. He wants our faithfulness and our wholehearted devotion. The Israelites were hypocrites and deceitful at the time. They thought they could deceive God and gauge God's help through their outward appearance. As a result, God brought failure upon them. He wanted the Israelites to realize that they were only acting religiously and with outward piety. But spiritually, inside, they sinned against God. And they alienated themselves from God. And God wants them to what? To repent and turn to Him. Because of Samuel's ministry, in verse 2, it says that some 20 years, and all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. Now, after 20 years, and through the ministries of Samuel, they were brought back to renounce idolatry that they were practicing and to return to worship of the one true God. Actually, this is really the result or the working of the Holy Spirit. Let's think about it. When the time uh, that the Ark of the Covenant was captured, isn't it that the entire house of Israel should have looked up to the Lord with sorrow and grief. They should have turned back to God. But at that time, their hearts were hardened. So they did not feel anything about the Ark of the Covenant being captured by the enemy. However, the Spirit of God continued to work in their hearts. So after 20 years, they lamented and turned to the Lord. Not only that, they confessed their sins before God. In verse 6, it says, They fasted on that day and said there, We have sinned against the Lord. They fasted, they prayed, they confessed. The confession of sin is an essential step to return to God. Not only that, verse 4 records their repentance. It says, so the people of Israel put away the Baals and the Astaroth, and they serve the Lord only. They have a remorse heart, yet they also have a change of behavior. They have action to show their inward changes. They admitted, they admitted that it was sin to worship foreign gods. And so they got rid of these gods. They changed their direction and served the Lord only. You see, repentance in the Bible is not just sorrow and remorse of the heart. It also includes changing behavior and getting rid of sinful actions. This is what we call true repentance. Not only that, they pray holy and rely 
on God. Now, when the people of Israel repented and turned to God, the Bible said that the Philistines attacked them. Do you remember the defeat of Israel 20 years ago and how the ark was captured? Subsequently, the Philistines sent the ark back because God punished them. And it remained in Kiriath-Jerim for 20 years. Now, during this span of time, the Israelites also served Baals and Astaroths. Now, these are the gods of the Philistines. And while they were serving a God, Jehovah, and also serving the God of Philistines, the Bible did not record that the Philistines came to attack the Israelites. But as soon as they returned to God, the enemy came against them immediately. Well, the same is true in our spiritual journey as believers. When we are determined to love God, to serve our Lord and obey His will, the devil will not let go of us. He will attack us with difficulties, with trials, with temptations, so that we will fail God. And I believe you have also such kind of experience. So what, when, the, when the Israelites were attacked by the Philistines, what, is, what did they do? They pray to overcome the enemy. In verse 7 up to verse 10, it says, Now when the Philistines heard that the people of Israel had gathered at Mishpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the people of Israel heard of it, they were afraid of the Philistines. And the people of Israel said to Samuel, Do not cease to cry out to the Lord our God for us, that he may save us from the hands of the Philistines. So Samuel took a nursing lamb and offered it as a burnt offering to the Lord. And Samuel cried to the Lord for Israel, and the Lord answered him. And Samuel was offering up the burnt offering. The Philistines drew near to attack Israel. But the Lord thundered with a mighty sound that day against the Philistines and threw them into confusion, and they were defeated before Israel. I love the way the people told Samuel, may you keep on praying for us. Don't stop to pray for us. We need the help of God. Now, this time around, the people stopped relying on their own strength. And when we pray and rely on God, God will help us and He will fight for us. So we see, how do we go from being defeated to being victorious? Aside from recognizing our own shortcomings and, co and coming back to God, we must also affirm God's immutability. That is His unchanging character. There are three things that I would like to share with you regarding God's unchanging character. First, God's faithfulness never changes. Ebenezer, 
until now, the Lord has helped us. Yes, God has helped Israel before and will continue to help them now. God's faithfulness never changes. From the time of Abraham to Isaac to Jacob, from Exodus to entering the land of Canaan, the Lord is always there to help them because God made a covenant with them to be their God. So He protected them, He led them, He helped them. It is because of God's faithfulness that He has been there for them from the beginning up until now. But maybe you say, but when we look at their history, isn't it that the Israelites suffered a lot? Did God not help them? Surely God helped them. But oftentimes, the Israelites didn't want God's help. They went their own way, doing their own thing. And God is just waiting to make true of His promise to them because He is a faithful God. Well, there, was a, there is a Christian author by the name of John Bunyan. And he wrote Pilgrim's Progress. And I hope uh, and I challenge you to read this book. This is a very beautiful book uh, of John Bunyan. It talks about our Christian journey as we travel this path to eternity. And the hero of the story is named Christian. Okay. Now, after Christian believed in Jesus, he decided to leave the city of destruction and go to the celestial city. And in his entire journey, he encountered many difficulties, trials, and temptations, and hardship. But he also met many friends who helped him along the way as he traveled this path to Celestial City. Once, he and a friend named Hopeful took an easier route when the path become, became difficult. Well, as they wandered in other paths, they were caught and imprisoned by a giant named Despair. They were put in chain without hope of being set free. And this imprisonment caused them to despair. Actually, this is what the giant despair wants Christians to do. That is to despair. This is also true to us nowadays. We are easily disappointed, especially when things doesn't go our way, when there are difficulties ahead of us. And sometimes we even despair. And we'll say, oh, forget about it. No need to continue on this journey. Since hopeful, the friend of Christian is by his side. He keeps encouraging Christian not to despair, but to pray to God. So both of them, they sang songs. They prayed to God while in prison. And at last, Christians suddenly remember. He said, yes, I now remember. God once gave me a key, and it's called promise. And as he looked for it, he found it in his pocket. 
Now, this key premise is powerful. It can unlock any doors, any lock. So, Christian and hopeful, unlock the chains that is in their hands. Unlock the door of the prison as well as other doors. And they fled from the giant despair and returned on their way to the celestial city. Now, what does John Bonian want to tell us? In our life, when we encounter difficulties, problems, and sometimes we despair, we can always use the key of promise given to us by God that is in the Word of the Bible, which will unlock all the doors and open a way for us. God's faithfulness never changes. Not only that, God's goodness never changes also. There's a beautiful short chorus that is very meaningful. God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. He is good to me. Yes, our God is really good. His goodness never ceases, and He is willing to help. In Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18, it says, Therefore, the Lord waits, okay, the Lord waits to be gracious to you, and the, therefore the Lord exalts Himself to show mercy to you. For the Lord is a God of justice, and blessed are all who wait for Him. Yeah, beautiful verse. It says, God waits to be gracious to us. God wants to pour out His blessings to us. However, people often refuse to accept God's help because of our pride. And God allows us to do so. Yet when we bow down before God and humble ourselves, He will help us and accomplish great and difficult things for us. I don't know if you have ever asked someone for help and he refused. And he gave you so many reasons why he could not help you. But deep inside, you know that he can help. But for some reason, he refuses. And what would you feel? I believe you will be disappointed. You will be sad. But praise God, because our Heavenly Father is always ready to help us. In James chapter 1, verse 5, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. God gives generously and without reproach. So we must boldly come to the Lord and ask of Him. His grace is beyond all that we ask or think of because His goodness never changes. And the third one is that God's power never changes. Now, not only is God willing to help us, but He is able to help us. For nothing is impossible with Him, be it big or small problems that we face. God is always able to resolve them. 
while studying in the seminary in Taiwan. As students, we are assigned to set up tables during mealtime. So we need to take our food, uh, take the food from the kitchen and put it on the table. And one other task was to put two very large pots of rice on a cart and push it out into the dining area. One of my upper batch class classmates, he has an active two-year-old son who loves to push the cart with two very large pots of rice. And as he pushed it, he would not allow his dad or anyone to be beside him to help him push. And it was fun to watch, watch him. He will push with all his might. And then he will see the cart moving forward. Wow, he was so excited and felt he accomplished something. How was he able to push the cart by himself? Only two years old. Well, actually, his father was at the front of the cart pulling it. So the, the boy thought that he was strong enough to, put, to push the cart. Actually, all the hard work, the pulling, is done by the father. Now, this scene helped me realize that we are sometimes like the little boy, thinking, oh, I can do it by myself. Whether I'm facing trials, facing challenges, facing problems in our life, or maybe serving God in a ministry. Yet in reality, it is God who is doing all the heavy lifting. He's the one who opens the door and accomplishes His work. He is all-powerful and He can carry you through. As, you put, as we put our faith, our, our burden on Him, He will carry us. A few, day, few years ago, there's a very uh, familiar poem, Footprints in the Sun. Footprints in the Sun. It said, this, this guy, uh, as he dreamed, he saw in the seashore two sets of footprints. But he said, he, he told the Lord, he said, I noticed that many times along the path in my life, there's only one set of footprints. And I also noticed that it happened at the very lowest and the saddest time of my life. Lord, where were you when I needed you most? And the Lord answered him, during your time of trials and suffering, when you saw only one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. The Lord is able to carry us. And then I saw another version. He said, well, when you saw one footprint, it was then that I carried you. But he continued to say, that the thing, and, and you, you see the long grove along the way. It is where I drag you while you were kicking and you were screaming. You, do not want, you don't want to go there. I have to drag you. Well, are you overwhelmed by many burdens in your life? And you want to do your way? God wants to carry you. Whether it's pressure from family, because of your career, because of your personal health, or any personal reason, 
you can cast your burden to God and He will carry you through. Yes, Ebenezer, till now, God has helped us. We need to recognize our shortcoming and rely on God. Don't pretend that we are religious and deceive God. Let's repent sincerely and turn to God and pray holy and rely on Him. Aside from recognizing our own weaknesses, we need to affirm God's immutability. His faithfulness never changes. His goodness is always there. And His power is always available. I read a story about a retired active duty military personnel named Roger. Uh, he was hitchhiking to get a ride home. So more than a dozen of cars passed by him as he made a sign to hitchhike without stop, stopping to pick him up. And then he saw a black Cadillac coming down the road. Reluctantly, he lowered his hand. For he was sure that rich people would never pick up a hitchhiker, a stranger. But to his surprise, the Cadillac slowed down and stopped. So Roger approached the car and the gentleman in the car asked him where he was heading. Sir, I live in a town an hour before the city of Chicago. Sir, are you heading that way? Yes, I'm going to Chicago, and I can drop you off. Come on in, said the gentleman. So Roger went into the Cadillac, and off they go. Roger introduced himself and found out that uh, Mr. Hanover was a businessman and had a company in Chicago. And they spent their time, uh, have a good time talking together. And after a few hours, Roger, who was a Christian, had a burden to share with Mr. Hanover about Jesus and his love. Yet, he was hesitant to do so. He was afraid that it might offend Mr. Hanover. But the Holy Spirit kept on convincing him to share the gospel. And when he looked at the watch, he knew he had only about 30 minutes more before he reached his destination. So Roger, Roger worked up his courage and shared the gospel with Mr. Hanover. And when he shared, and then he asked if he would like to accept Jesus Christ to be his Savior. Mr. Hanover asked the driver to pull over, to pull the car over to the side of the road. And Roger thought, oh no, he's going to ask me out of the car because he is offended by my sharing of the gospel. But instead, Mr. Hanover asked Roger to pray for him because he wanted to accept the Lord as his Savior. And with tears in Mr. Hanover's eyes, they prayed. After that, they continued their journey and they dropped Roger in his hometown. And Mr. Hanover gave Roger his business card and invited him to visit him if he, he was in Chicago. 
and five years after this incident. Roger now become, now is a businessman, and he had to travel to Chicago to do some business. So he decided to visit Mr. Hanover. But the, re the re receptionist told Roger that he couldn't see Mr. Hanover. But if he liked, he can meet with his wife. So Roger, even though a little bit disappointed, he agreed. So when they meet with the wife, the wife asked him, Did you know Mr. Hanover? When did you meet him? So Roger told him how they met five years ago by hitchhiking and they ride together. What did you talk about during the ride? So Roger told the wife all the things that he remembered. They talked about many, many things. Was there anything else that you talked about? The wife continued to inquire. And then Roger told her that since he is a Christian, he shared the gospel with Mr. Hanover. Upon hearing this, her eyes opened wide. And she asked, what happened afterwards? Well, Mr. Hanover asked the driver to pull up to the side and stop the car. And I thought he was going to, to ask me to leave. But instead, he asked me to pray with him by accepting, to accept Christ as his Savior. And he told me that this was the happiest day of his life because he believed in the Lord Jesus and he is now the children of God. And with that, Mrs. Hanover broke down and cried. She said, Mr. Hanover died that day in a car accident. It must be shortly after dropping you off. And for the last five years, I was angry with God. And I put him aside and did not bother to pray. Did not bother to go to the church. You see, I've been praying for my husband's salvation for many, many years. And when he died that day, I thought he died without Christ, for he never professed to believe in him. Now, I know I was wrong. God answered my prayer, for he is faithful in his promise. He is good to me and good to Mr. Hanover. He gave him the chance to be saved. And God is powerful to save. Yes, the Bible, some, the some, uh, some said, Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God. Let us affirm and experience Ebenezer and declare that until now, the Lord has helped me. Is there anything you want to ask God to help you in your life? Pray to Him. Don't rely on yourself anymore. For without Him, we cannot do nothing. We cannot do anything. 
grabs hold of his character because God never changes. Let's pray. Father Lord, we praise you because you are God of Ebenezer. For until now, you are always there for us. Until now, you have helped us. May we not rely on ourselves, on our outward piety, on our own strength. For without you, we can do nothing. Lord, may we experience your faithfulness, your goodness, and your almighty hands in our daily life as we put our trust in you. We humbly come to your presence, Lord, and ask you to take control of our lives. Hear our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.